0: everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, we are coming off of a short night of sleep, yeah. but it's after a thrilling Packers come from behind victory 23 to 22 over the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football at Lambeau Field. A walk-off Field goal by Mason Crosby. There is so much to talk about with this game and how it unfolded and how the Packers came out with the victory. Where do you want to start, my friend? There
1: are three rules that I live by, Michael. (laughs) Never speed in school zones. Always tip your waiter or waitress and never apologize for a victory. The Green Bay Packers <laughs> did just that on Monday Night Football. And I was talking to a number of players about this in the locker room afterwards. Was it the prettiest game? No. Were there missed opportunities? Yes. Were, were they beaten by three in the turnover battle? They were. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the defense got the stops that they needed to keep Detroit out of the end zone. And just enough playmakers made plays for Aaron Rodgers in this offense to pull out the victory. I don't know how you felt about it. I felt like this was one of Aaron Rodgers' finest hours. He did not have Devontae Adams for the second straight week. Geronimo Allison leaves the game. I just thought he put on a masterclass about not only how to play the quarterback position, but bouncing back from adversity. A number of different instances in that game where a lesser quarterback, a less experienced quarterback could crumble underneath that. Drop touchdowns, interceptions that probably shouldn't have been and Aaron Rodgers rose above it, and he found a guy that had 21 offensive snaps to his NFL career resume going into this game and Alan Lazard made some incredible catches down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I think that's as good a place to start as any is with Alan Lazard. You said it, the 20-plus offensive snaps he'd played in his NFL career. He had one catch for seven yards to his name as an NFL player, and it wasn't even from Aaron Rodgers. Right. It came in Week 17 when Rodgers was out with a concussion last year in what really was a meaningless game against Detroit that the uh, the Packers got it handed to him that day to wrap up a, a rough 2018 But Alan Lazard, I mean, listening to Rodgers in his postgame press conference talking about how he went to Alvis Witted, the wide receivers coach, with the Packers down by a couple scores in the fourth quarter and said, hey, put number 13 in the game. Let's see what can happen here. And then third and five from the 35-yard line when you're down by nine points, he had just tried to go to Lazard, tough play in traffic down the seam, Almost makes a great catch, gets broken up. Next play goes right back to him, one-on-one down the sideline with Justin Coleman, who had had the big interception off the deflection of Darius Shepard at the goal line on the Packers' previous possession. The throw is right on the money. Lazard makes the catch, tumbling into the end zone. And suddenly a star is born, not only with that touchdown, but then Lazard catches three passes for 30 yards on the final drive. Two of those that moved the chains to help set up the game winning field goal. This uh this young receiver from Iowa State, he didn't make the fifty-three man roster out of training camp. He was on the fifty-three the day before the opener when Darius Shepard had yeah. a hamstring injury and couldn't play, so he was only on the practice squad for a few days. At the end of the day, West, the Packers are lucky that this six foot five receiver out of Iowa State was not claimed on waivers because otherwise he's not even here to be able to make those plays at the end of a week six Monday night game. They
1: rolled the dice a little bit. <laughs> it was one of the first things that actually was the first thing that Aaron Rodgers kind of acknowledged when he was speaking at the podium. But the fact of the matter is they did the same thing with Geronimo Allison, Jake Kumro, a number of these players yep. that have been on the bubble before and you know been on the practice squad. But they brought him right back up right away. And, and I remember talking to Alan about that that week after. And sure, there was some disappointment involved with not making the initial 53. That was a big goal for him. But he also saw the end game when he re-signed with the Packers, and there's a lot, you know, everybody wants to make comparisons about players, like, you know, player A plays like player X from 1998, but the thing that I like the most about Alan Lazard is he has a very similar temperament to Devontae Adams. This is an ultra-confident athlete. He might have been an undrafted free agent, he might have spent a majority of his first rookie season on the practice squad of the Jaguars, but... He feels like he belongs, and he was just waiting for that moment. I thought you saw him, you know, show those attributes throughout the preseason. He made some incredible catches in that
0: slate, but very productive in the month of August, no question about it. He made a yeah, legitimate run at a roster really spot, and uh, I know it wasn't an easy decision for the Packers, but decisions are tough. Fortunately, it worked out that he wasn't claimed. He came back. Rodgers talked about how he's done nothing but work hard. He didn't let the disappointment affect him. And uh, and he came up big when his number was called.
1: And that's what I really liked about. It. I mean, as you mentioned, Rogers throws that contested pass to him. He was asked in his po- Lazar was uh, was asked in his post game scrum, like, did you say anything to Rogers? Uh, <laughs> like, you know, to throw it back to me. He said, I just kept throwing him, telling him to throw me the ball, and you know, he wasn't throwing it every play. <laughs> uh, he was obviously joking, but that's right. just the way he's wired. And I think he even it was your column that he had retweeted this morning, um, saying he's made for this. This is the moments he's made for, and he echoed those comments afterwards. He's incredibly humble. He said this is a huge dream come true to be able to have four catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. All in the
0: last 10 minutes of a game.
1: Only playing 17 offensive snaps and yet having that production. But at the same time, like, as Marquez Valdez, Scantling, other guys said in the locker room, this isn't surprise anybody. Al Lazard has been calling his shot since he got to Green Bay, and he had a chance to show what he could do on Monday night.
0: Well, and Rodgers said... After the touchdown on the final drive for the Packers, Lazard was coming back to the huddle and telling Rodgers what routes he wanted right. to run. He was getting a feel for the coverage, what the Lions were running, what he was comfortable with, and how he could get open. Rodgers said there was one moment where Lafleur was in between two different play calls when there was a timeout or they were discussing something on the sideline. And Rodgers told him to go with the one that included the route that Lazard had told him he wanted to run and the Packers got a first down out of it and and the ball keeps moving down the field just great execution by Green Bay down the stretch yes the illegal hands to the face penalty on Trey Flowers his second one of the game certainly factored into the Packers being able to run out the clock and not give Matthew Stafford a, a chance going the other way the Lions would have had 90 seconds I think right. or so if uh that third down penalty is not called and then you have to kick the field goal a little bit earlier with Mason Crosby but uh but boy yeah you drain the last 646 off the clock 14 plays 77 yards uh from the Packers perspective you can't draw it up any better yeah
1: I remember seeing this to you in the press box right around I think it was 241 remaining like oh could the Packers legitimately run this thing yeah up? they and could they run did. it out yep uh th- there are three things I want to mention here okay first and foremost i've been really hard on officiating this year in the inbox and obviously here the review process is something that is driving me bonkers but the job of referees itself i don't envy them especially in 2019 i want no part of that right if we want to have more conversation about that tomorrow we can discuss that then but the bigger point i want to make is that i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people in detroit a lot of people in michigan that are upset they feel like they you know they got it taken away from a little bit Fact of the matter is, Mike, is Detroit didn't finish drives, yep. and that's where the Packers ultimately beat them. That's why they were able to overcome the three turnovers. It wasn't the officials or the penalties that. It's the fact that Detroit had to settle for five Matt Prater field goals, um, including some in the red zone you have to be able to finish off drives if you're going to win in this league. The Green Bay Packers have found that out too. You look at the NFC Championship game five years ago.
0: Well, and I was going to say just a couple weeks ago against the Philadelphia Eagles, the Packers are in the same kind of situation in terms of, yes, you're lamenting the fact at the end of the Eagles game that there's not pass interference called on the pass to Valdez Scantling at the goal line that leads to the deflection and the interception. Everybody could see the pictures. Everybody knows that it's pass interference, but at the end of the day, the Packers had plenty of other chances to win the game. can't right. sit there and cry about a call or a no call or whatever it is. When you have those opportunities, the Packers knew they had their chances against the Eagles. They didn't get the job done. They licked their wounds, and they've come back and found a way to win two more games.
1: Yeah, and the Lions legitimately did shoot themselves in the foot at several turns. No I mean, question you look at about having, it. Th- like having 12 men on the field for a field goal opportunity, that's inexcusable. <laughs> Four you have, points. That you have to know what your personnel is when you go out there in that unit. There was an instance where you know Matt LaFleur took a timeout because they had 12 defensive players on the field. They were switching out from a base defense to their dime. I mean, that's stuff that you understand. Yep. A field goal operation, a, a, a protection, you you have to know what your job responsibility yeah. is. The coaches that yell field goal block
0: on the sideline, and it's supposed you have to know who the 11 yeah. guys are that are going into the game. So the, the point I want to
1: kind of close up on this whole discussion with is Detroit came out of the gate and had two huge plays right away. The flea yeah. flicker to Kenny Galladay for 66 yards, and then Marvin Hall had his 58-yard touchdown or 58-yard pass. That led to a touchdown on that drive. Ten points right off the bat. After that, they did not have another play of more than 25 yards the remainder of the game. The Green Bay Packers had five. So that's what it came down to me, and I, I wrote about this on Packers.com with our with our locker report. It was Lazard, as you wrote about in your column. It was Jamal Williams coming back after yeah. missing two weeks. Comes back, has 104-yard rushing performance, was a stabilizing presence for four quarters for this team. Uh, and then, obviously... Slid down late, so he wouldn't go in the end zone to, to allow Mason Crosby to hit the field goal. Right, it was Crosby making three big field goals. The biggest of which was the twenty-three yarder to win it. And then also, you have to tip your cap to this to, to this auxiliary players. The the Mercedes Lewis's having two catches for fifty yards. The Will Redmond's playing safety. Chandon Sullivan played safety in this game. Chandon Sullivan's not listed as a safety. <laughs> I mean, it is just when you get th- that's the biggest thing that really separates this team I feel as opposed to where the Packers were at last year is that if the starters go down they just have guys that are more experienced and a little better behind them and I think that's what's allowed them in the instances when everything doesn't go 100% right to be five and one at this point.
0: Yeah, I want to get back to that point in a minute, Wes, but I can't forget about our sponsor business no, here. We Select can't. cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you. When you order online at CousinsSubs.com, Cousins Subs, we believe in better. Yeah, I wanted to get to Jamal Williams here because as you and I both know, Wes, this game can humble you quickly and yeah. it can humble you in different ways. Jamal Williams took that shot on the opening play against the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's out for a couple weeks. He can't get himself back onto the field, unfortunately. Aaron Jones becomes the star in Dallas with four rushing touchdowns. Well, what happens on Monday night? Aaron Jones fumbles the ball. Aaron Jones drops a wide-open touchdown pass. This game can humble you, and it's what you said. It's having those other guys who can step in and pick up the slack. And Jamal Williams did that. He had a 45-yard run to set up a field goal, the longest rush of his career by 20 yards. He ends up with a 104-yard performance. He keeps his wits and his head about him when everybody has said in the huddle, okay, we're not scoring a touchdown. We want to run the clock down and kick the chip shot field goal. The Lions, you know, part the ways from the 11-yard line. They're going to let him walk into the end zone, and he sits down on the three. And, uh, he literally bypa- sat down. Yeah, and bypasses the touchdown so that the Packers can execute the final drive and the final plays the way they need to so that Matthew Stafford doesn't get another crack the other way. I can't say enough about what Jamal Williams did in this game. On top of the fact that it was his first game back in the, whatever it was, 18 days right. since he had taken that shot against the Eagles.
1: Yeah, the other thing I love about this too, talk about the cat, you know, willing itself not to eat the canary in that <laughs> situation. I asked Williams about that after the game. I mean, is it, is it difficult to turn that switch off? Because you are just trained your entire football life. Now, I understand there's some instances where, I remember, I think it was Brian Westbrook a number of years ago, or whoever it was, where they're running and then they, they, they're wide open. They could just jaunt, you know, go right into the end zone, and they Stop at the two. They slide. They give themselves up. Jamal Williams is right in the middle of the battlefield there, and the C's part as he said, and he had to make sure he got down. He did say it is a little tough. It is tough not to want to score, but then you have to remind yourself what you're doing. That's the benefit to the team, not going into the end zone, being smart in those instances.
0: And Rogers said, "Hey, he probably wanted to dance. He's a dancer. Like he wants to do his celebration. I mean, jokingly, of course, but." You can and do it no, for no stopping ma- at the three. Right, and <laughs> no matter how much it's communicated, though, Wes, my point is that you have to keep your head about you. Right. You have to keep your wits about you in a highly charged, highly competitive, intense moment there because his number one priority, of course, is ball security, right. to not fumble the ball. And then all of a sudden everything's wide open, and he has the presence of mind to go, "Nope, I'm not going into the end zone here. We're going to do this the, uh, the right way. Right. The best way to give us the chance to win and, uh, and the Packers come out with the victory. I, I was really, just really, really impressed with Jamal Williams start to finish. Yeah,
1: and I game. don't want to jinx him here, and I'm sure obviously fans will say I am now. I mean, he's gone basically over 350 career touches, 314 carries, 264 receiving yards without a fumble in his NFL career to this oh, point. I didn't realize that. Not a that. fumble wow. lost, without a fumble. Wow. I mean, and here's the thing about Jamal Williams. A couple different points to this. One, he's a fun guy everybody understands that you know he's he's joking he's jovial he's throwing footballs with kids before games he was really introspective after the game and he can be really introspective yeah. there was a little huddle with myself bill huber ryan wood
0: he's a different personality but he is a very he is a he's very smart. thoughtful guy he
1: yes. is an incredibly intelligent yes. guy and it was when when he pulls back all that stuff It was really interesting to just hear him talk about football, and and Ryan had asked him a question. It was a good question, basically saying, everybody talks about Aaron Jones. Does that frustrate you? And he said it doesn't frustrate him because he knows the player he is. He's confident in the player he is. He doesn't care if he's running, blocking, passing, catching the football. He he's a confident football player, and it ties into what he said last week too. When myself and others were asking, I mean, how can you have a hit like that, like you took against Derek Barnett, and just go back out there and put it behind you? Yeah. And he said, that's my mentality. It's not bravado. It's not a statement. It's not a line that he's trying to give people. He legitimately just wants to play football, and he's an as to use his own words, he's an all around back. He can do it all, and I think when you Really look at what he's given this offense over the last two and a half years. Every single time they've needed to turn to Jamal Williams for injury, for opportunity, for game situation, he's responded. And you He's made, delivered.
0: There's no question about it. You made
1: such a great comment last night, too, when we watched him after he went in for Aaron Jones. You need five yards. He's going to get you five <laughs> yards, man. I mean, he just was dragging piles, and then he has a 45-yard carry, his longest by 20 yards in his NFL career. Yeah. Uh, he just found ways to make plays, and he ended up with his second career 100-yard rushing day.
0: Yeah, well, we'd be remiss if we didn't also give due to the Packers' defense here. You mentioned it earlier, the two big plays over the top early. I looked at my play-by-play as I was putting some things together in the wee hours of the morning after the game and finishing up our coverage on the website. Five minutes into this game, the Detroit Lions had 132 yards of offense. In the last 55 minutes of this game, they only added 167 yards yeah. to that total. I mean, what the Green Bay Packers defense did over the last 55 minutes of this ball game was incredible, and they almost stopped him on the goal line stand. there. highly questionable call. You had the two side judges. Yeah. The one, the one is signaling that it's a stop, and Cleet Blakeman, the referee, actually signals first down in the Packers' direction. The side judge on the other side is signaling touchdown, and suddenly Cleet Blakeman turns on his microphone and says the ruling on the field that is was touchdown. Weird. Moments after yeah. he had just signaled first down Green Bay, there was no discussion, there was no huddle. Suddenly it's a Detroit Lions touchdown, highly questionable. The replay clearly inconclusive, so they're just going to stand with the call in the field based on the way the rule is written. But my point is... What the Packers' defense did in this game, holding the Lions to five field goals, almost got the goal line stand. Two of those possessions for the Lions started in Green Bay territory, yeah. and the Packers' defense gets the stop and Including forces the field goal. Including a 3 out,
1: I think, too. That ended up being a field goal. Yeah, I mean, ended they, up they ended they up being up a long field goal, remember. but
0: they didn't even give him a first down. Yeah. Um, Green Bay's defense, as Aaron Rodgers said after the game, the team got punched in the mouth. In the early stages of this game, but they responded. They and they didn't just respond; they responded quickly because that thirteen to nothing deficit was wiped out by early in the third quarter. It was thirteen to yeah. thirteen. I remember turning to you, looking at how much time was on the clock in the third quarter. I was like, "All right, it's 13-13 There's twenty seven minutes left. May the best team win. Here we go." Yeah, you it's
1: know? just to touch on really quickly the goal line thing. I found it really funny. That didn't seem to make it into the group pool uh, for the you know the yeah. There weren't there weren't there weren't any, that there weren't there.
0: any questions about how that decision was made with no discussion amongst officials who had disagreed with what they had seen on the field. But we digress. But
1: you do wonder (laughs) if it's one of those things where Cleet thought, okay, well, it'll get reviewed. But, I mean, yeah, there was no way to tell once it got to that. But Cleet was the one that actually had the vantage point. The other guy was looking at shoulder pads. Be that as it may, let's move forward here. Yeah. The, the Packers' defense, this is what's so important about the confidence that they have. It's not. I've, I've said this several times this year, but it's not a synthetic confidence. It's not something that they just put on a face for and try to act like they got swagger, and then when they get punched in the mouth, they curl up in the corner and, and quit. They really, truly believe every single time they go on the field, regardless of what happened the last series, that they're going to get a stop, that they're going to get a takeaway, that they're going to make a big play and this is, comes in many different facets, Michael, the run defense had struggled the last few weeks. I was talking to Dean Lowry about this after the game. They admit that they needed to play better. They did against Kerryon Johnson, a yeah. guy that was just coming off 125 yards. Lions couldn't yards do anything
0: on the ground in this game.
1: Against Kansas City two weeks ago. Yeah. The pass rush, when they needed to get to it, and this was a question I asked Tremon Williams, the third down right now for the Packers, that dime package, when they get guys in... Third and to medium to third and long, the confidence that that unit plays with. Three sacks there. Preston Smith, one and a half of those, sharing one with Kyler Fackerel, and Cedarius Smith getting another sack as well. 13 and a half sacks on the year now for the Smith brothers. Incredible. And then just the, the will to bounce back. Kevin King bouncing back from a rough first quarter. Jair Alexander, I still don't know if he gave up a pass in this game. I'm not I sure. I didn't he get a did. chance to ask him about it afterwards. Yeah. They just, the defense in the way in which they play it's not phased by what's happened even if it ends up being an adverse situation I, if I remember correctly I think Preston Smith got a sack they ended up having the muff punt and they gave the ball back to Detroit at the 25 that's where they ended up getting the three and out they just aren't phased I just thought the adversity defense in this game in the way that the Packers didn't relent even after they did get punched in the mouth that's what tells you the true character of a unit
0: yeah well here's one for you Wes because they'll one thing the defense did not do was get a takeaway in this game, Correct. and so the Packers lost the turnover battle 3-0. As I got down, rushing down from the press box to the media auditorium, setting up my computer for Matt LaFleur's postgame press conference, it takes a few minutes for him to get in there, I was searching for some stuff on the Internet. I found a website that indicated, had all the stats, that since 2005, NFL teams with a plus-three turnover margin in a game won 91.4% of the time. I mean, the odds against the Packers being 3-0 down in the turnover margin to come out with a victory are pretty astronomical. But you can overcome that when those three turnovers for the other team only produce nine Nine points points with your defense getting those kinds of stops. And then you make the clutch plays in the fourth quarter. Yes, did the Packers get some breaks with the officials? Sure, they got the breaks in the second half that Detroit seemed to be getting in the first half. That's how it shakes out. Everybody's going to talk about the ones at the end. And, yes, I think we'll get to the officiating stuff tomorrow. But uh, there were a lot of odds stacked against the Packers in this game, and they found a way to win. And in a way, Wes, that's starting to become the the theme of the 2019 yeah. Green Bay Packers is find a way to win. Because all five of these victories in the first six games, they've all come in some little bit of a different way. There right. hasn't been one formula that they've just gone out and said, OK, this is how it works, and this is how we're going to win. They've had to win different ways, and they've done it. And let's be honest, Mike. Last year, they found
1: ways to lose in different ways. Absolutely. And it, that's what ultimately led them to be in the position that they were, is just that one week they'd have something. The next week, it'll get strained out. An official call here, a fumble there. And the record was what it was. You have to win the games. You have to persevere through it. Tremont Williams, Brian Belaga, guys who have been through it spoke to that afterwards in what this really can tell you about a team and ultimately pushing you forward the rest of the way. I do want to mention just very quickly, yes. Mike Pettin, I think you need to take your cap off to him as well. And we give Mike Pettin a lot of credit in the media for the job he's done in Green Bay. Deservedly so. I thought one of the things that he did really well in this, and again, we can talk about it later this week, but they gave a variety of third-down looks as well. They gave times where they put seven up on the line of scrimmage and sent three. The big play late that ended up force. I think they got a sack off of, they went with all seven. Yeah,
0: seven he, guys came after the quarterback. He
1: set the rush up perfectly to be able to pressure the quarterback, which, as we had talked about ad nauseum last week, was the thing the Packers had not done against Matthew Stafford during this recent losing streak.
0: Yeah, well, the Packers at 5 and 1 all alone atop the NFC North. Still no team in the NFC North with a losing record. The Lions at 2-2 two, two and 1, the Bears at 3 and 2, the Vikings at 4 and 2, the Packers at 5 and 1. And uh three other teams i believe in the nfc right now with five wins so as i said an insider inbox this morning hang on to your hats folks this one's just getting started it is
1: and there's gonna be a really tight race for the division there's gonna be a really tight race in the nfc for the wild card i mean there are no sleeper games and the packers have to be back up on it going up against another team coming off a bye week this sunday in the oakland raiders
0: all right well we will follow up on more from this monday night thriller on tomorrow's show but for now we have to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.